Welcome to Everything Imaginable, the podcast for curious minds from KGRA Radio. And here is your host, Gary Cochileo. Welcome everyone to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I'm your host, Gary Cacciolillo, and today we have a really interesting guest, Steve Myers. He's a uh, researcher and engineer on how the Great Pyramid was constructed. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me on your show. I appreciate it. Um, so what, what got you interested in researching how the Great Pyramid was made? Well, I've always been interested in technology. I have a rather highly technical background with uh, electronics, the FCC commercial class, uh, radio telephone license, amateur radio operator, and a whole bunch of other technical uh, degrees and certificates. Anyway, but I also like history. Mm-hmm. So if, if a person likes uh, technology and history, then there's a good chance they'll look at the uh, Great Pyramid because it's a 45-story uh, skyscraper uh, built in ancient times with uh, that exhibits a lot of high technology. Yeah, and I have to say, you know, I've always been fascinated by the pyramid mm-hmm. ever since all the pyramids since I was a kid. And... Um, you know, I was going through some of your videos, and I never considered that idea of how your your theory on how they made it. You know, like I think when I was in school, they said, "Oh yeah, they just used pulleys and pieces of wood," but you have a whole different um, theory on that. You want to introduce my listeners? I do. Um... I'm just like everybody else, uh, you know, I was exposed to the idea of uh, a big ramp that Egyptologists talk about, this huge ramp that may have been bigger than uh, the Great Pyramid itself, and uh, these workers had really strong back muscles and drug these stones, 70-ton stones, which is the weight of a locomotive. Uh, or a Abrams A1 tank, you know, they drug it up this dirt ramp and and without any handling scars and did it all day long. But I found out something about Egyptology that most people don't know. And uh, I'm going to tell you what that is. And that is they've never moved a 70 ton payload. Uh, That's the weight of the heaviest stones of the Great Pyramid, one inch. Egyptology doesn't engage in the scientific method. And, uh, you know, they, they, they don't demonstrate it. The Great Pyramid was uh, built with really precise casing stones built on the outside. Those are the finely cut stones that most have been removed. Egyptology mm-hmm. has never made one of those ever. So, uh, it is uh, strange. So, so their, uh, their ideas certainly are not supported by the scientific method. So then I looked at alternative ideas like the Great Pyramid was some kind of a beacon or a weapon or anything like that. And then ultimately uh, uh, read a book called Pharaoh's Pump, which was uh, indicated that the Great Pyramid was built using water locks and barges. And then I, I wrote a book my first book 
uh, expanded on that and uh, called uh, Lost Technologies of the Great Pyramid. And that book describes in detail how the Great Pyramid was assembled using water locks and barges. Can you give my listeners an example of how they pulled that off? Uh, an example of how they built the Great Pyramid with water locks and barges? Yeah, like, like, like one of the things that, 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 I mean, I know how it was done because I watched your videos. Um, but I, like the first thing I thought was like, well, how do you get water so high off the ground? Oh, that's easy. The original builders were geniuses. They supplied water to the base of the Great Pyramid. Other researchers contend that water was available at the Great Pyramid, including Christopher Dunn. That water was used to supply a water pump. The subterranean chamber was built first, that's deep below the Great Pyramid, about mm -hmm. 100 feet. And the purpose of that chamber uh, was to pump water. It's um, similar to a hydraulic ram water pump, only, only much more sophisticated, in fact, quite different. But uh, that water pump supplied water for water locks uh, during the construction process. They can view our video series on our website at thepump.org and just click on the video series link. And uh, you can see in detail the videos that you watched that you liked. But that, that water pump deep below the Great Pyramid supplied water for the water locks. And it, it was almost uh, effortless to build the Great Pyramid. No strong back muscles were needed. It's interesting. Um, how, did they, how do you think that they came up with this technology like okay they're you know they're smart but to me that seems like you know it's a little bit more intelligent than what i would associate with the culture that far back oh yes whoever built the great pyramid uh were, were geniuses our distant ancestors were extremely smart and uh they had uh, a lot of high technologies uh, associated with the construction of the great pyramid uh, one of those is a very strong bonding agent or a, uh, glue, cement, whatever, uh -huh. that they bonded the casing stones together watertight. And those that the few that remain around the Great Pyramid uh, are still bonded together watertight. But they, they uh, figured out water locks. It's not too difficult to do that and they uh, incorporated those water locks right into the casing stone wall on the side of the Great Pyramid and were able to assemble the Great Pyramid quite quickly and uh, like I say with uh, with ease so I hope people watch that video series and see how they manipulated the stones and uh, had used specialized barges to move and set the stones in place very quickly. So, so you don't buy into the idea that it was uh, aliens or that they used some type of um, sound vibration to levitate stones? Well, there's a lot of ideas out there. Um, you know, an idea is about the big ramp, and there's ideas that, some, that they used elephants. 
or there's ideas of uh, they had a magic wand and they just pointed it at the stones or that they hummed or chanted or that they contemplated their navel or that aliens did it. But uh, a good way to weed through all of that is to see if anything can be demonstrated using the scientific method. Science is really good. You know, you can, you can come up with a lot of truth using science. So uh, if someone could, uh, you know, say, well, you know, it was aliens and have some sort of a demonstration on how they did it, that, that would be uh, pretty compelling. But to just say aliens did it or to just say a cow jumped over the moon and something like that, no, I, I don't... Uh, I don't ascribe to just saying aliens did it or it was magic. It, stones were really moved in the real world uh-huh. by real people for, for a real reason. Um, where, if they built it that way, um, why didn't civilizations continue to use that method for building? Well, uh, that's what I think the civilization that built the Great Pyramid uh, failed. It, uh, it, uh, all civilizations fall, if you will. You know, ancient Rome, ancient Greece, uh, the former Soviet Union, and other uh, civilizations come and they go. They yeah. say even the United States will come and go. So the, the people that built the Great Pyramid, that particular civilization, probably faced some sort of a catastrophe, you know, and uh, failed. But uh, here in the real world, we still use water locks yeah. as a method to move materials. And that's what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. These water locks to move materials in the Great Pyramid. So uh, in, the, in the modern world, water locks are the 21st century's first choice to move our heaviest objects. They uh, expanded the Panama Canal just recently, made bigger water locks mm-hmm. because uh, that's the best way to do, to do it, to move heavy objects. They didn't use a magic wand or just, you know, use their mind to move heavy objects or whatever. They, they had, the engineers really had to do it. So they did it in a real way by, uh, making bigger water locks. So, uh, so it really wasn't lost. Like, I guess that's why, like, even here in the U S we have like those man-made canals that they used to pull the barges on horses. Yes. Uh, the most famous is the Erie canal. And, uh, when built, it was four and a half feet deep, but the barges held a capacity of 70 tons, 70 tons of grain, wheat, lumber, whatever. So uh, it's quite interesting. So in the 1830s, people could move 70-ton payloads, but now Egyptologists, they can't move 70-ton payloads. Isn't isn't that interesting? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So what – two questions. What was the Great Pyramid used for? And why are there three pyramids? Well, um, 
we think the Great Pyramid was used to help the people that built it in a tangible way. So we, I don't think the Great Pyramid was built to tell us they knew pi. Uh, people say that. I don't think it was built to be symbolic, to symbolically point to something or anything like that. Uh, so we could talk about that more later, but uh, we think the Great Pyramid turned the desert into a garden, and it uh, transformed toil into leisure, just like all infrastructure does. Um, mm -hmm. The uh, power grid or the, the sewer system or the highway system all provide prosperity. That's why we invested into them. Hydroelectric dams, uh, all of that is prosperity provided by uh, infrastructure. And we think the Great Pyramid was built and designed to uh, pump water. Hmm. And, 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 oh, and your other question, uh -huh. I forgot. Three pyramids. Uh, no, you're wrong. There's nine pyramids on the Giza Plateau. Oh, okay. Three, there's three big, bigger-ish ones. Uh -huh. And uh, actually, there's two big ones, and one that's about a tenth the size of those two big ones. And then there's some little ones. So uh, three pyramids is just an arbitrary grouping that uh, some modern people come up with. So, so you can has, say there's four big pyramids because there's one in Las Vegas. <laughs> that one's all, no, really. So is there four? Is there three? Uh -huh. You know, and uh, so it's just an arbitrary grouping that somebody made up to uh, support an idea that somebody made up. So it doesn't correlate with Orion? Nothing on the Great Pyramid is pointing to Orion. Hmm. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Nothing. It, is it true that there's... The Great Pyramid has more than four sides. Yes, uh, it has. I would. I would say it has eight sides. Each side is um, divided from the capstone down to the base, a line down to the base, and uh, the uh, the sides kind of bend in, if you will. There's a crease down the middle if I can put it that way. And uh, so then if, if uh, you want to get technical, it has eight sides. Some say it has a bottom, but uh, that's up to debate. Uh, if it doesn't have a flat bottom, I don't think. I think it was built on a mound. But uh, yeah, there's uh, eight sides on the Great Pyramid. Yeah, I was shocked to hear that. I always just assumed like, you know, it was the square, and it was just a regular pyramid. I had no idea that it actually had eight sides to it. Yeah, it's a additional design parameter that they, uh, the original builders uh, wanted to put in the Great Pyramid. It's uh, almost imperceptible. Uh, the crease is about three feet in, you know, so it's, it's not a big crease it's not like a mm -hmm. diamond shape if you will but uh, it's definitely there my book talks about that uh, during construction there was water inside the great pyramid and that put those um, walls if you will in compression the, so it made it strong if you will 
like uh, the Hoover Dam is built in a curve, which puts the this concrete in compression and makes it makes it stronger. So that's uh, that's an, a feature that supports the idea that there was a profound link between water and the Great Pyramid. So if it was supposed to work as a pump, how do we create, make the pyramid work as a pump without like electricity or, or some type of manpower to actually push the water up? Well, there's a lot of, lot of pumps that work without electricity and manpower, if you will. A hydraulic ram, a water pump, is probably the best example and it uses the movement of water uh, that's powered by gravity, if you will. Water moves down into a chamber and uh, valves operate automatically, which causes that water to compress some air in a chamber. And then that air pushes some, some of the water up higher than the source water. So that's, <clears throat> that's one example. And there's, there's a lot of other water wheels and, uh, you know, other than operating the hydroelectric dam, they operate, they're powered not by back muscles or anything. And they're not powered by electricity, although they, they make electricity. So, uh, but, but uh, I think what you're asking is how did the Great Pyramid water pump operate? Mm -hmm. Is that what you're asking? Yes. <laughs> what, what they did was they built the subterranean chamber and the associated cuttings with that to act like a water pump. We think that they used the property of implosion of water moving in a vortex that was, uh, you know, researched by Victor Schrauber. And I don't know if you've heard of him, but he was a, uh, a scientist, a researcher in that, in the 1930s in Germany. And he said that water, when moved in a vortex or whirlpool, exhibits a force called implosion. We think that that force was used to pump water in the subterranean chamber. And my second book, uh, The Great Pyramid Prosperity Machine, discusses that in great detail. And then water moved down the descending passage up through the subterranean chamber and up to the to the grand gallery and in the grand gallery we think electrolysis was used that uh, <coughs> excuse me that electrolysis separated oxygen and hydrogen from the water in that chamber and those two gases are quite volatile and they were ignited automatically and uh, the result of that was a vacuum. So they created a vacuum in the Grand Gallery, which lifted, helped lift water up in the Grand Gallery, like a huge water piston. And then uh, that vacuum was released, which moved that water piston back down and moved water into the Queen's Chamber and compressed uh, that water in that chamber. There was half of the chamber was filled with air app with with water hmm. and that compressed air pushed water into the king's chamber and then from the king's chamber water moved out the king's chamber vents so they got quite a they they pumped water rather high and so they had quite a high head from the hmm. upper end of the king's chamber vents 
and then water moved down through passages that were in the in the casing stones and then to their point of use so it's kind of complicated and complex not as much not as much as a uh, v8 automotive engine but it's uh it's quite a process and uh my second documentary uh full of animations um which is available from amazon uh describes that process in great detail and you can find the links to my books from our website at thepump.org that's fascinating i i have heard um you know about them separately creating you know like like hydrogen i think was in the pyramid yes um and, and so, so so they had to ignite it so so they actually so this thing was actually burning it was ignited yes it was more like an like an explosion in a in a gasoline engine and uh, that explosion resulted in a vacuum you can uh, you can see a lot of YouTube videos that show um, the uh, exploding hydrogen uh -huh. to make a vacuum. So it's uh, it's quite a process and uh, fascinating. We think the original builders were geniuses. They had a profound understanding of physics, even probably things we don't fully understand ourselves. And uh, they were able to create this huge uh, building uh, that that actually helped them in a tangible way. The idea of water pump for the purpose of the Great Pyramid is the biggest and most um, uh, helpful purpose ever suggested for the Great Pyramid. Hmm. So, so was this? How much water would this thing have pumped? I pumped a lot. Both uh, King's Chamber vents are about eight feet square, if you will. So imagine two, I'm sorry, eight inches square. So uh, they, uh, it's like two fire hoses, if you will, of water coming out of the Great Pyramid uh, that, are, that are eight inches square. So quite a bit of water. The exact uh, gallons per minute is under scholarly debate. But it was enough water to uh, certainly make it worth it. And so I'm going to assume that this was used for mainly agricultural reasons? I think that uh, certainly agricultural reasons is uh, probably uh, very important. But they also probably use the, the uh, pumped water to power machinery or to create um, a lot of compressed air, which has a whole host of scientific purposes. With compressed air, you can make ice. Uh, there's a what they call a vortex tube. You put compressed air through that tube, and one end gets really hot and the other gets really, really cold. Mm -hmm. So they could have used that the pumped water, if you will, to for scientific experiments, uh, a whole host of other things. Uh, compressed air, you can make static electricity, high voltage static electricity. And uh, the, not, the uses were probably uh, just quite varied. I see the Giza Plateau more as an industrial park 
and a science center than a mausoleum, if you will. So some of it could have been used as like a giant air compressor to, to run machinery and, and stuff like that. Yes. Yeah, there's some rather large, uh, very large and deep pits around the Great Pyramid, not the boat pits, but other excavations. And we think that there might have been uh, machinery in there, like a hydraulic uh, air compressor. If you word search hydraulic air compressor, you'll see a whole host of information that they were able to compress uh, air using water uh, through a machine that literally had no moving parts. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's, uh, you know, it's it's much more than just a pharaoh's tomb or anything like that. That's that's all incorrect and uh, falsehoods. Uh, the uh, original builders were geniuses and uh, used that great pyramid to uh, be infrastructure for their civilization. So how about the 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 other the other pyramids? Are they all built the same way for the same pure purpose, or uh, were they like prototypes? That's a good question, actually. Uh, there are some pyramids that are physically close to the Great Pyramid. Uh, you know, like I mentioned uh, on the Giza Plateau, there's several other pyramids. But the focus of my research is the Great Pyramid. Uh, there, There's no indication or there's no physical evidence specific to the Great Pyramid, which indicates that there's any relationship between the Great Pyramid and other pyramids on the Giza Plateau. They just happen to be physically close, if you will. So, uh, you know, there's scholarly debate as to which ones were built. You said prototype is usually Mm -hmm. built before the the real one, if you will. So, uh, those those three pyramids could have been built thousands of years uh, between each construction. So uh, the the Great Pyramid probably was built first, and the other two were uh, copies. There's certainly different designs, different interior design, different angles for the sides, if you will. You know, they're different shapes and also different uh, qualities of construction for the pyramids on the Giza Plateau and around the world. So different uh, buildings that are sort of pyramid shaped probably don't all have the same purpose uh, around the globe. For example, the big pyramid in Las Vegas probably has a different purpose than uh, the Great Pyramid. So... Um, do you think they used, cause it's, I'm just kind of just putting ideas together. I'm thinking like, all right, you got this big pump, you're creating air pressure. You, you, you have a air compressor. Do you think they got as far as making electricity? Oh, certainly. I think that they, uh, made electricity in, uh, in the, uh, Valley of the Nile. There are some, what they call Baghdad batteries, that if you actually, uh, there's people that have that have made duplicates of Baghdad batteries, and they actually do produce electricity. Um, so uh, we think that uh, in ancient times, 
they uh, had uh, electricity. So that's, that's not a problem with me. And I don't see why they wouldn't. It's not, it's not beyond the, uh, not beyond the evidence, if you will, that they had electricity. Some say that there's some artifacts that appear to be electroplated, not Uh solid gold, but have a coating of gold on them. So that, you know, gives an impression of some sophisticated understanding of some rather sophisticated technology. So, uh, yeah, ancient, ancient people around the globe were geniuses. They weren't just knuckle draggers or cave dwellers. South America is a great example of many high technologies that we have evidence for, including brain surgery. A lot, lot of skulls had uh, brain surgery, and you can tell that there was some remodeling. So the, uh, the patient survived, if you will. Mm-hmm. quite a bit of that. So they must've had anesthesia and a lot of medicines that we use today, even aspirin uh, is derived from uh, the knowledge that certain plants uh, had therapeutic value and from South America. And the, the ancient Egyptians did uh, C-sections. They had birth control and a, a whole host of other um, technologies or whatever you want to call it in a, in a whole bunch of different fields. So yeah, ancient people were geniuses instead of uh, just knuckle draggers or instead of the great pyramid being part of some death cult, if you will. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of ancient technology, including um, the idea that the ancients had electricity. Um. So if they had electricity, then that obviously uh, puts to rest whether, you know, you know, the the whole thing, I mean, well, actually, if they had electricity, one of the theories that I've heard is that, uh, I always say this word around, obliquus, or, you know, there's other towers. Yeah. (laughs) I can never pronounce the damn word. (laughs) Um, were Were used to transmit the energy. Through a I've wireless heard that. system. Yeah, there was some wireless system, and uh, the uh, obelisks sort of look like an antenna. And uh, I'm an amateur radio operator, so uh, antenna theory is, uh, you know, something I'm uh, familiar with. But uh, yeah, the obelisk sticks up there, and uh, some say they had electricity, so they somehow used a. Uh, obelisk to uh, <laughs> to transmit electricity that's great be nice if there was some sort of a, a demonstration or how how it was done is never really described in any type of detail I mean that's an idea but uh, again obelisks are uh, beyond the scope of my research. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but even to be able to make the electricity the way they did with the pyramid without using any type of fuel, I, I mean, you know, here we are relying on dangerous technologies like nuclear, and they're just using gravity and water. In, a, in effect, yes, that's true. Isn't that uh, ironic, if you will? But, uh, you know, it's just strange. That's, 
Tesla was going to make, uh, you know, electricity that could be, uh, you know, free to everyone. But the person funding him stopped the funding because that's not a good system if you have free electricity for him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. He wouldn't make any money. And f for some reason, I don't, I don't know exactly why, we have decided as a civilization to use very environmentally harmful systems to generate the energy that we use, including oil, even hydroelectric dams have adverse yes. environmental impact and nuclear, you know, how, how sad, but uh, we use a uh, large scale kind of industrial energy systems that are um, owned by the few and everyone else writes a check, electric bill check, every month. So uh, that's a good system for a few people. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, it's just unsustainable with the, you know, in terms of the environment. Has there been any effort to, in modern times, to recreate, recreate the technology of the pyramid and how it may have generated electricity? Yes. Uh, I am the founder of a small nonprofit foundation called the Pharaoh's Pump Foundation. And our website is thepump.org. And <clears throat> we are, uh, have a facility, if you will, here at our headquarters in Oregon. And we've do, done some uh, experimentation uh, in various scales, if you will and uh, built some components and sub-assemblies. So, so we're working on it. Uh, we are a humanitarian organization and have done quite a bit of research that has been uh, made available through my books and documentaries. And we want to redevelop that ancient lost energy-efficient technology to help our modern but troubled world. But that's for all the things that we're doing, that's the most resource intensive uh, this type of a water pump doesn't work well in in a very small scale like a tabletop model there's a scalability issue so it has mm -hmm. to be pretty large you know like a couple stories would work the best if you will and uh, making uh, you know with the components out of PVC pipe and some off-the-shelf valves and polypropylene containers. And, and a lot of that is uh, kind of expensive for experimentation. So, uh, you know, we are a nonprofit foundation. Uh, all, uh, you know, donations are tax deductible. They can help us in terms of uh, updating our website or spreading the word, if you will, and uh, reading my books, that type of thing. So uh, we're trying. And to to do that, and that's that's our major goal is to recreate that type of water pump, which will help people both in the third world countries, but also in first world countries like the United States to generate electricity. So, do you guys like have any land or any plans to actually construct a full sized pyramid and <clears throat> do this? Are we. 
we think that uh, you don't need a pyramid shape and it doesn't have to be made out of stone. So it right. could be a fairly small footprint for our pump and uh, make it uh, adapt that technology to uh, with the use of modern materials. And it certainly would fit in most people's backyards or they could have us, you know, community or uh, like a co-op type of thing, build, build these things. And we want to decentralize the production of electricity. <coughs> so that's, uh, that's one of our goals. And we would make it being nonprofit. We wouldn't um, have like a patent or anything like that. Uh -huh. It would be open source. If, if you, I have a quick, actually, on that note, like if you, if you put something out as open source, could somebody else take it and patent it and try to keep it from, keep other people from getting it? I don't know. I'm not a patent lawyer, but it would be, uh, if it's open source, it would be in public domain. And right. then I, I don't think someone could steal it or control it or hide it. But uh, it, it would certainly help people. Uh, in the third world, we want to make it so they can uh, build it using like 55 gallon drums or cottage industries in, in third world countries. So that's, that's what we want to do. Uh, about twice as many people that died on 9-11 die every day because they don't have food to eat or clean water. So every day there's like two 9-11s. And we want to build this technology to make that number of people less every day. And that, that's, that's our goal. How many people do you have working on this project? Well, I have myself. We have a board of directors. We have pro bono legal counsel. <clears throat> we have, uh, you know, some uh, co-researchers and associates and a few, a few other people. You know, we uh, connect via the internet type of thing so there, there's a few of us uh, but people can contact us through our website find out what we're about uh, you can see our goals and mission statement and that type of thing you asked about a facility we do have a facility with some tooling and materials uh, we're looking for a, a 3d printer if someone would want to donate that to our foundation we would uh, certainly put a uh, a link back to their company or whatever in appreciation. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we, we have uh, a few people, but we would certainly uh, uh, invite others to uh, find out what we're all about. Um, it's just, it just blows my, my mind that, you know, of this ancient culture being able to make electricity in a clean, safe way. And us, you know, paying for, for energy that's destroying the world. And you're trying to bring back yeah. this clean, safe thing. You know, do you, I mean, I know this is, this question is going to be sort of out there. Um, but, but, you know, we mentioned Tesla and trying to create the wireless free energy. And, you know, some people say that he was, you know, basically killed by the government or by, you know, the corporations because they didn't want that getting out. Have you ever considered um, yourself at risk? 
just the same type of fate? That's a good question. Uh, I I don't. I I really don't. For some reason, I don't know why. But I mean, uh, let me put it this way: my research is more important than life itself. But other researchers, um, Stanley Myers, who had a car that ran on water, uh, he is reputed to have been uh, poisoned. So, yes. uh, and then you hear of others that they're their uh, laboratory is burned down and all of that. So uh, <clears throat> it's hard to say. Uh, even Tesla's uh, laboratory was burnt down there in New York. So I, I, I don't have any, you know, I'm not paranoid or anything like that. I have my books out and all of that. So I, I don't think any of that will happen, but you never know until something does happen. But uh, I appreciate your concern, but we're just trying to, uh, we're just trying to develop some technology that first appeared in ancient times. And we think just as it did then, uh, now it would, uh, it would help people in a tangible way. So I'm just a humble researcher uh, pursuing uh, this uh, endeavor. And it's been, it's been fun. It's been really interesting. Met a lot of interesting people, been to Egypt, of course. We were going back in February on a tour that I was leading, but it had to be canceled because of coronavirus. So uh, we'll have to uh, get together with somebody else and get a tour going again when things get a little better. So yeah, there's a, there's a lot going on and a lot of irons in the fire. Hmm. So is there any connection, do you think, between the pyramids in Egypt and uh, the uh, ones in Mexico that were built on top of cenotes? There are some pyramids down in uh, Mexico, South America, and that, and that, all of that area. But I don't think uh, there's a real connection. Those pyramids are built much differently, if you will. They're made out of rubble for the most part, uh, different interior designs, if you will. Uh, they have platforms on the top and steps type of thing. So uh, I, I don't think just because that they're sort of similarly shaped that they are uh, connected. No, I don't. Mm -hmm. I don't know of any, uh, anything. Uh, if, if you don't have steel, if you don't use steel and you want to build a tall building, it has to have a, a big base, if you will. And I think that's the only, uh, the only connection, but there's no like, um, there's no technological connection in terms of like a worldwide system or anything associated between the, the great pyramid and pyramids in South, South America or uh, Las Vegas or anywhere else. So I, I don't think so. Um, ha have you heard about like other pyramids? Like, you know, I've heard about some, um, you know, possibly recently discovered pyramids that were unknown to us, you know, some in South America, but even like as far as like Florida and Antarctica. Yes. Yes. I've heard of them. And uh, even on uh, on Mars, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but I'm a researcher, so I think that 
the best thing to do is to conduct research, uh, send, send uh, an expedition to uh, in Alaska, mm-hmm. to uh, these other pyramids that uh, aren't fully understood. And Bosnia also has what they consider to be a pyramid. Uh, but uh, I think the answer is more research. So, uh, you know, send a ship to Mars to find out about the pyramid up there. <laughs> and uh, why not? You know, we can, we can spend trillions of dollars for uh, weapons of war. We can certainly spend some money as a civilization to learn about these other pyramids that you mentioned. So I think, I think it's a good idea. Yeah, right. If we don't start using clean energy, we're going to have to find another planet to go to. Yeah, that's true. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This is an out there question. So, so I hope you don't mind, but I I get, I talk to a lot of people who talk about, um, advanced civilizations that are ancient and the topic of Atlantis and Lumeria come up a lot. Um, and especially Atlantis and a possible connection that Atlantis between Atlantis and Egypt. Do, do you think that's possible? Like, like that's where the technology was coming from and that's why it's gone it's because it was on a continent that sunk into the ocean. Oh, uh, that's a good guess. Certainly, uh, that's a possibility. I would, su- <clears throat> I would think. But uh, where the technology came from is actually beyond the focus of my research. Mm-hmm. One reason is uh, I know people who've been at this for like thirty years, and uh, where the technology comes from is probably something that will never be able to be answered. So. Uh, it's it's hard to say, <clears throat> and it doesn't really help if you find out where it came from, if you if you will. But let's say uh, we found out it came from Atlantis. The uh, genius who's, who built the Great Pyramid came from Atlantis. Yes. Well, you still got to pay your electric bill every month, so it doesn't really help. It know. doesn't help us now, no. No. And then also people say, well, who built the Great Pyramid? Well, that's that's an interesting subject. And I know people that's been working on that for 30 years and never came up with really a conclusion. So, uh, and then what if we found out who built the Great Pyramid? It was somebody named Bob. Bob <laughs> built it, okay? Now we know. And it, it's just absolute. We know who built it. Well, the next question you would ask is, well, how, how did he do it? Right. And why, why would you do such a thing? So, uh, so, so you're already answering those two questions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I'm, uh, I, uh, you know, skip to the chase, if you will, and talk about how it was assembled and why. It's interesting that, uh, like, the Orion correlation theory and all of that, they don't even address how the Great Pyramid was assembled. They, they can't even explain or they don't talk about how big, heavy stones were moved. So... It's just interesting. They can they can come up with all these ideas and esoteric concepts and even kind of almost look into the mind of the builder with all these correlations that they've come up with, but they can't even figure out how big stones were moved from one place to another. So I think that's a that's certainly a drawback to that theory. Um 
Oh, geez, I just went blank. I <laughs> hate it when that happens. Uh, hold on one second. Let me think. I had a question. I completely forgot what it was. Well, I um, do that. <laughs> yeah. And it was along the lines of this lost technology thing. And I completely forgot. Um, I don't know. Well, can what you imagine the... Uh... Oh, I know what it was. Um, you know, the Egyptians kept pretty accurate records with the hieroglyphs. Is there anything, any information about the pyramids in the hieroglyphic records? Well, certainly the Great Pyramid has no formal writing on it at all. There is some graffiti or what they call quarry marks on the Great Pyramid in some of the uh, chambers above the, the king's chamber, the uh, what they call relieving chambers. Mm-hmm. So there's some... Uh, very informal graffiti. So, uh, but the interior of the Great Pyramid, the other than that, has no formal writing at all, and that's because it's a machine. It doesn't need any writing inside of it. Like your car engine, there's no writing really inside the cylinders because it doesn't need it. It's a machine. Mm-hmm. But uh, in uh, much of the Valley of the Nile. Well, many of the buildings are absolutely covered. Every surface is covered with writing. And uh, some of the obelisks have uh, writing on it. And, uh, but uh, there's not, not much at all written about how the Great Pyramid was built with the hieroglyphs. There's a few scraps that some people have uh-huh. made an interpretation of. It's just so odd because he kept such an accurate track of their pharaohs and their religion. Yes. And, and here's this giant, you know, machine. You, you would think they would have been writing about that like crazy. You'd think so, but uh, it's, it's just interesting. The uh, omission is, speaks volumes, if you will. But no, and then the uh, hieroglyphs themselves are open to interpretation and much of what I think Egyptology has come up with in a lot of areas is probably incorrect. So uh, there's nothing in in the Valley of the Nile written in terms of hieroglyphics that uh, talk about the uh, Great Pyramid. And it just seems very odd, both to me and to you. Do you think the pyramid could predate the civilizations that were writing the hieroglyphs? I do. That's, that's a good question. I really do. Although when the Great Pyramid was built is not the focus of my research, it probably was. Egyptologists supposedly know a lot about ancient Egypt. So uh, it would be interesting to have Egyptology conduct demonstrations that would prove that civilization built the Great Pyramid. But Egyptology doesn't do that. They don't demonstrate how heavy stones were moved. They'll move little stones, mm-hmm. but not heavy stones. So, uh, And they also won't even make a casing stone uh, ever. So uh, if what that indicates is the civilization of 
uh, led by the pharaohs in ancient Egypt, probably didn't uh, build the Great Pyramid. So, um, you know, they uh, if you go out in the West, in the United States, there's big hydraulic hydroelectric dams, but if you go in the hillsides around there, you can find arrowheads. So that doesn't mean the people that made the arrowheads built the hydroelectric dams, if you will. Do you know what I'm trying to say? I think it was a, maybe an advanced society living along with a less advanced society. Kind of, yes. So uh, just because the uh, Great Pyramid is in the middle of the uh, land of the pharaohs doesn't mean that the, that civilization built it. It's also interesting, the Aswan Dam, which is in Egypt, was financed and constructed by the former Soviet Union. So uh, just because a structure is in a certain place doesn't mean that the people around that, where it was built, were the people that built it. So, so who built it is certainly up to scholarly debate. And uh, when it was built is also up to scholarly debate. They used to think the Sphinx and the pyramids were built uh, about the same time, if you will. But uh, with uh, Dr. Robert Schock's, uh, who is a geologist, study of the erosion on the Sphinx, he has dated the Sphinx as being quite a bit older than the conventional date of the construction of the pyramids on the Giza Plateau. So uh, the date of when things were built is certainly up to scholarly debate, as is most everything uh, in, the, in the Giza area. Yes. Too many questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, well imagine, imagine we, our civilization, we want to tell people in the future that we knew pie or that we wanted to have something point to something, okay? Imagine that's what we wanted to do. And then we decided to build a great big structure that might cost $50 billion now to build a big pyramid to symbolically tell people in the future that we knew pi. Well, to do that for us, I know what you're thinking, for us, that would be stupid for us to spend that money to do that. Well, I think the original builders were geniuses and for them to build that big structure to tell us they knew pie is just as stupid. So I think that's a very small return on investment for such a construction project. Yeah. It, it just boggles my mind, you know, um, Yeah, if you ever get a chance, go to Egypt and see it firsthand. It's just... Uh, I, I would love to. That's actually oh, on, my yeah. it's on my bucket list to do, definitely. Yeah, it's, it's out of this world. It's like an out-of-place artifact, the Great Pyramid. It's, it's ultra-modern with no ornamentation, and the components are beyond the scale of uh, humans to really move in any type of a of a real way. That's why Egyptologists never, never do it. So, uh, yeah. And the people are friendly and it's relatively cheap to, uh, travel to Egypt. Uh, when I was there, you know, uh, a fancy dinner was rather inexpensive. Uh, we stayed right by the great pyramid and it wasn't, uh, the motel wasn't very expensive, you know, compared to being in the United States. 
the people were very accommodating. They've accommodated tourists since uh, the beginning of time. Herodotus <laughs> was, in effect, a tourist from the 5th century B.C. So, yeah, if you get a chance, um, go to Egypt. I'm sorry, this latest tour I was going to lead had to be canceled, but the coronavirus got us. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's a marvelous place. Just the food, the sights, and the sounds. Uh, if you get a chance, do it. Definitely. I hope so. Um, how far back do you think, like, like this is sort of related to what we've been talking about, and I know this isn't your area of expertise, but, you know, not just the age of the pyramids or um, a matter of debate, but the, the, the age of the human race is a matter of debate. And oh, yeah. uh, so, so, you know, if the pyramid and the Sphinx are that old, that's going to change human history. Oh, it does. It does. Some, some say that uh, it was, you know, like 100,000 years ago that the Great Pyramid was built. And then the traditional idea by Egyptologists, who have gotten a lot of things wrong, is uh, 4,500 years ago, the Great Pyramid was built. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's fascinating. But I think, I think humans uh, have always been uh, geniuses or have had geniuses among, among them. You know, not everybody's a genius. Mm -hmm. And... Um, those geniuses were able to accomplish some very remarkable things in ancient times. And it is the duty and honor of modern researchers to uh, understand what, what ancient geniuses were doing. So uh, that's my humble quest, if you will, is to uh, get an idea or a sense of what those ancient geniuses were doing and uh, why, th why they did it. So, uh, yeah. It, uh, the uh, history of mankind is certainly not uh, set in stone by any means, and it's it's all up for debate. Absolutely. Um, so, if Egypt had this technology in her almost like a utopian type of society, do you have any theories on what caused them to collapse? Well, I think uh, the civilization that built the Great Pyramid <clears throat> probably collapsed uh, for some reason. Uh, I'm a catastrophist, and I think that ancient history has been punctuated by a series of catastrophes that have, in effect, reset uh, civilization. Other, other researchers have similar ideas. But the catastrophe could have been either the Ice Age or some change in the weather, could have been disease, could have been corruption, war, could have been war, um, crop failure. Um, the higher, higher the technology of a civilization, the more fragile it is, if mm -hmm. you will. And um, so, uh, so, but the, the specific uh, catastrophe is uh, unknown, but it could have been a meteor strike, could have been uh, volcanic activity that changed the weather, but something happened and that civilization uh, w was lost along with the understanding uh -huh. 
of how the Great Pyramid was built and why. And then later, an agrarian society, uh, this you know pharaohs of Egypt, uh, rebuilt the uh, their civilization in the Valley of the Nile, and and there were pre-existing, or at least some of them were pre-existing pyramids. So. That's that's kind of the scenario I follow. Some of the pyramids in Egypt could have been uh, copies, if you will, facsimiles, yes. so, so, kind of so like the, a cargo cult. Right. So, so there could so there's this civilization that comes after the building of the pyramid, and then maybe they were just trying to replicate it. Oh, certainly, like a cargo cult. Yeah. <laughs> in uh, during World War Two. Uh, American soldiers would come on these isolated islands with their big ships and their airplanes and their uh, spam and their radios and everything else. And the indigenous people started to worship those people and it became a cargo cult. And they would pray that those people would come back and they would build like airplanes out of palm branches as a religious artifact, if you will. And that's uh, it's, uh, quite a phenomenon. And we think that some of the pyramids could have been similar to that, kind of like you re recreate a smaller pyramid for religious purposes to copy the original pyramid. And that's, that's a distinct possibility. Interesting. It, there's, there's, I'm just always baffled by that missing, that missing piece, you know? of there not being a record of it being built and you know what, yeah. what happened it's just so strange it is strange another thing missing is the uh demonstrations provided by egyptology egyptology yeah, they've never done it yeah they uh they've never moved a 70 ton payload one inch so yeah. uh yeah if they're if they're right about that you would be able to go out there and build one and prove you it. think and, and why wouldn't they? It would make for yeah. a good uh, TV documentary, but they can't do it. It's just as if there was a science called cow jump over the moonology. And they talked about how cows jump over the moon and all of that. And, you know, you can read about cows jumping over the moon in literature. And there's, you know, myths and legends about cows jumping over the moon. But someone would say, well, if you're a science, why don't you engage in the scientific method and show us? a cow jumping over the moon. And that's about where Egyptology is now. They say, oh yeah, they drag stones and they, they made very precision stone cuts using hand tools, but no one on earth can demonstrate it. So, uh, you know, Egyptology is a science that's in crisis right now because uh, they don't engage in the scientific method. Hmm. If you were to theorize this ancient civilization, um, like, like theorize how advanced do you think they became before they were destroyed? Well, it's hard to say because um, I mean we know you, know, ancient, you said you have history, the batteries. Yeah, ancient history um, is a puzzle with many pieces missing, but I think that they were very advanced in some areas. They probably had some medicines that we, d we don't have. They probably had uh, some understanding of physics that we don't have. But other things we have that they don't. So uh, <clears throat> it's like saying, 
how advanced are we? You know, in some areas we're really advanced. Right. So then terrible. we have people, <laughs> we have people starving in, uh, you know, laying in the gutter starving. So, uh, you know, as a civilization, I'm not sure how advanced we really are. So, uh, but, uh, they had, they had some areas in ancient, uh, well, the builders of the great pyramid had some very advanced aspects of their civilization. Right. Yeah. Kind of, I, I, I see that. That's really a really good point. You know, that, that we could be technologically advanced, but at the same time, we're not necessarily socially advanced. Right. Yeah, or humanitarianly. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a better word. <laughs> yeah, so uh, it's, hard, it's hard to say, you know, just because some people on Earth now have a whole bunch of money in the bank, does that make us an advanced civilization? Well, it's hard <laughs> to say, so, you know. But uh, I think that they had some technologies that had value that could, that could help us in our, in our modern world. Uh, hydroelectric dams, all they do is make ele electrons go through a wire. That's all they do. But you can use that for a whole host of purposes, like run our computers we're using or our lights, that type of thing. And uh, the Great Pyramid, all it did was make water, pump water up and make water move. But you can use that for a whole host of purposes. And they, uh, it provided, uh, again, prosperity for those who built it. And uh, it was, uh, you know, a marvelous thing. It wasn't, it wasn't something that didn't make sense or it wasn't to hold a Pharaoh's body, even though the Great Pyramid doesn't look like a tomb mm -hmm. because it has many chambers. And the pharaoh only had one body, so it was it was a great thing. It uh, gives I try to give glory and honor to the original builders who were geniuses. But Egyptology says, oh, it was some sort of a death cult, and uh, they built it in in uh, you know as, as knuckle draggers. But as Egyptologists, we can't demonstrate how they did it. <laughs> It, it makes a lot of sense, your theory, that it was some type of machine. And it also makes a lot of sense that it was probably, that it, it predated, you know, the pharaohs. So, and, you know, and there's just, a, uh, there's just lost history that we don't have. Um, and, and, I, and I like that you're trying to, you know, take the pieces that we do know and make them work to improve our current society. We, we are, that's what we're trying to do. So it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. We are, uh, like I say, uh, people should uh, find out what we're about. Uh, look at uh, our website, uh, email me uh, from our website. If you have any questions at thepump.org. And uh, we will try to answer your questions. It's uh, it's a it's been it's been really fun. So, uh, <laughs> and I hope uh, you know I, I appreciate what you're saying about about the Great Pyramid uh, being some type of a machine. A lot of people a lot of people that look at the research say it's compelling that the method it was that it was built you know it makes sense. I yes. hear that a lot. 
and people that uh, work in shipyards or car mechanics, those people uh, really embrace uh, this direction of research. But uh, like Egyptologists, oh no, they, you know, they can't change their ideas at all. Yeah, well, they come into, oh, you know, even, even in science, a lot of people will come into it um, with a certain bias. You know, they're just trying to prove their belief rather than looking for a truth. Right. Uh, and Egyptology is kind of a, a science that is in stagnation. If you get a, a book about Egyptology written in, like, say, 1900, it's virtually the same as it is now. It's the only, I guess you could call it a science, that um, uh, hasn't advanced in the last hundred years. Mathematics, physics, metallurgy, a uh, whole host of other sciences have uh, really progressed, but Egyptology is stagnated into almost a, a mystery religion, uh, yeah. They don't engage in the scientific method by by any means at all. Right. I, I think some of that has to do with their refusal to accept a different timeline now, that, that the, the pyramid pre-existed the pharaohs. Uh, they are... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're they, really they stubborn about refuse that, different, right? uh, to look at different ideas, that's for sure. But, uh, yeah, it... Uh, and refusal to engage in the scientific method. So sciences come and go. Uh, phrenology was the study of the bumps people's heads <laughs> and how it relates to their personality traits. And phrenology was taught in universities not, not that long ago, but uh, as a science, it went away because it couldn't withstand the rigors of the scientific method. And Egyptology is faced with that same fate because... Uh, the edicts that they declare are not supportable by the scientific method. So it's, mm -hmm. uh, it is uh, a time of revolution of ideas that we're in right now. And a lot it of the is. old is being or just, uh, you know, uh, thrown in the ash can of rejected ideas and new ideas are mm -hmm. coming to the fore. Yeah. I have a friend, his name is Jared Murphy and he wrote a book called, um, is it's not aliens is worse it's us and the premise of his book is about you know the timeline being wrong and about there being advanced societies on earth and having you know being really technologically advanced that were wiped out somehow or, or still exist but we don't know that they exist um and, and he covers a lot of archaeology stuff archaeological evidence and in so much archaeological evidence, not just from Egypt, but from around the world, just it, it shows a different timeline. Sounds like an interesting book. What was the title again? It's called It's Not Aliens, It's Worse, It's Us by Jared Murphy. Oh, great. Yeah, I'll have yeah. to... Uh... I'll have to read it. It sounds like it'd be up my alley. It'd be yeah. a lot of a lot of fun. Or, or just check out my podcast. He's been on a couple of times. Okay, he's sort of a regular on my show. Oh, great! Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll do that as well. So, you know? uh, and like fact, if, if you ever would ever ever even maybe do a show with him, you know, I could bring both of you on at the same time. That'd probably be a really interesting conversation. Oh, that might be. Yeah, 
Yeah, that'd be fun. So uh, good, yeah. But the, uh, the the Great Pyramid is uh, almost uh, shrouded with uh, misunderstanding in our modern world. But a lot of a lot of ideas about it uh, are being cast away. The uh, the idea that the Great Pyramid confirmed a Bible uh, prophecy, which is called pyramidology, uh, that uh, that idea is pretty much rejected now. But uh, just 50 years ago, that was uh, probably one of the most uh, acknowledged what is uh, the idea about the Great it. Pyramid. That the different, different features of the Great Pyramid um, corresponded with different uh, features in the Bible, mainly prophecy. So, uh, but those, those correlations, if you will, didn't have any causation and have been uh, in modern times in the present time has pretty much been rejected so how did they do that if there's like no writing on a pyramid what were they using just like math numbers oh yeah yeah math oh yeah yeah math you can't uh, dispute math <laughs> the uh, if you take the if you take the angle of the sides of the great pyramid and use that angle you can you can draw a line right through the uh birthplace of jesus through uh bethlehem that's called the bethlehem angle you can uh, word search that, and a lot of religious people think, oh, well, then that confirms the Bible's uh, prophecy. And then uh, there's the pyramid inch. You can word search that, and then each inch represents like a year uh, in the timeline from from the creation of the earth and Adam, and then you go up through these inches and a whole host of things. I mean, there's just just May, books after books written about this thick ones too they're really hard to read <laughs> I, I can imagine because it sounds like they're just trying to make yeah, they, meaning they make out up of these stuff that's, uh, not yeah, really math there. doesn't math doesn't validate a correlation uh, causation does and they just made up all of these things that uh, you know were, were uh, false and uh, the same type of research method is used by the Orion correlation theory. They think, well, if something points to something that it was intended or that type of thing, and, and it's, it's, it is in crisis as well. You know, a lot of people like that theory, but uh, there, are, there are those who uh, reject it because specifically because of the poor research methods used. So both of those both of those theories are kind of going by the wayside, if you will. And, um, and uh, because the Great Pyramid is a technological structure, it can be understood in a technological manner, if you will. You know, uh, like the Empire State Building. You can say, well, the top of it points to a star, so let's understand it that way. But other people would say, well, it's made out of concrete and steel, you know, maybe we should understand it that way on at least how it was built. So uh, there's there's a revolution of ideas going on right now, and uh, it's it's exciting times. It is. I mean, there is definitely obsession with um, finding correlations with uh, um, you know the stars and movements of the planets with uh, ancient sites. Oh, uh, there is. There is an obsession with that, but uh, it doesn't mean 
you know, ancient people knew about stars and the heavens, if you will, but that doesn't mean that ancient buildings necessarily uh, were built to have to do with stars or anything. In the 1930s, we knew about stars, our civilization, and in the 1930s, they built the uh, Hoover Dam. But that doesn't mean the Hoover Dam was built to uh, have anything to do with stars. And the Hoover Dam, like all hydroelectric dams, have passages that point to stars. But that doesn't mean that they were intended to uh, point to stars. Do you understand what, what I'm trying to say? Yeah, well, there's stars everywhere. No. Yeah, there's stars everywhere. And, there, and, so. and the Earth's turning, so it's always moving. <laughs> right. And the procession of the equinox, so all these, like the vents of the Great Pyramid have pointed to hundreds of stars and will point to hundreds of other stars. So it's, uh, you know, it's um, the Orion correlation theory is a theory that is uh, certainly under scholarly debate. You know, it's not settled science by any means. Hmm. Interesting. So uh, we, we covered quite a bit of information. And um, thanks for being on the show today. Well, I appreciate it. It was uh, an exciting and fun uh, experience for me. Yeah, it was great. Really interesting. And um, and I'll also uh, email me the links to your stuff. And that way I can just cut and paste them in the notes of the episode. And that'll make it easier for my listeners to be able to, to find you, your information, your organization. And maybe we can get some more people to contribute to your cause. Oh, great. Well, I sure appreciate that very, very much. And I'll do that as soon as it's over. All right. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on. Well, thanks for having me on your show. And I hope people, uh, I just ask people to uh, find out about the research, find out about how we contend the Great Pyramid was built and uh, why. Uh, just go to our website, uh, read, read my books. You know, that's the most revolutionary thing you can tell somebody these days is to read a book. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, and then uh, go from there. So hopefully they can withhold judgment until they find out about it. And uh, again, thank you for having me on your show. And I hope we can do it again someday. Uh, you're welcome back anytime. And thank, thank you and have a great day. Oh, you too. Bye now. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable on KGRA Radio. You can reach Gary at everythingimaginable2020.com or email him at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com. He's also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can buy T-shirts, coffee mugs, and other merchandise to support the costs of producing this podcast. Click on the merchandise link at the top of his page, www.everythingimaginable2020.com. Oh yes, I almost forgot. You can buy his book, Enlightenment Guaranteed. It's the only book on Zen that you'll ever need, and it's on Amazon. It'll change your life, because remember, everything that exists was first imagined. Hey, if you loved what you listened to, don't forget, rate, review, and subscribe.